0: Hello and welcome to New Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that knows the real blood sucker is capitalism. Dun dun dun. Today we have Zoe,
1: Laura, <laughs> Hope, and Julia i always do that i just want to say i was like i don't know when i'm supposed to say my name and i like wait too long so
2: well, i love it mickey mouse club
1: exactly <laughs> it always
0: reminds me of um is it in Harrisburg where they're like i am tammy
1: <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> oh my god they're
0: like something roll call that's us
1: um, sorry it's i'm trying to find us. this what thing
0: is- hold on <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> hold on I just wanted to get us in the mood. Hold on.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs>
3: what I wanted to have is the part that's like da 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 da. da, da, da. <laughs> but it didn't quite get there, so
1: I don't we could just—you could just do it. That was a pretty good recreation. That was really
3: good. I mean, I liked the beginning part of it too. It was just the the organ was nice.
0: <laughs> it was I
3: nice. do love a good organ. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do vampires. Um, oh, wow, so true. <laughs> so, as you may have guessed, and as you may know, because it's now October, it's spooky season. Yeah. Yay! Woo! Okay so even though it's always spooky season in our hearts today is the first installment of our month of spooky episodes yes yes so today to start off our spooky times we're talking about vampires as daddy Marx himself was pretty enthralled by the connections between capitalism and vampires um in capital he wrote in Das capital he wrote Capital is dead labor that vampire-like only lives sucking living labor and lives the more the more labor it sucks.
3: Exactly. Of course, we're going to be talking about Buffy uh, a bit in this as well because we must. And I just wanted to start out with a caveat and major asterisk to everything that we say about Buffy, which is that Joss Whedon fucking sucks. And I'm so mad he's the one who created Buffy, We know, now that he is an abusive piece of shit. Still, his two main series, Buffy and Angel, have major cultural significance, and we're gonna, you know, get into it a little bit.
0: Also, we're ready to fight him.
3: Yeah. He's about to get dusted.
0: (laughs) Send him our way. We're ready. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought we could just start out by talking about our fave vampire content for some context um so originally <laughs> Laura and I were planning a Buffy episode which we've been planning for I don't know two, two years, years. <laughs> like as soon as within like two days of Laura and I meeting um Laura <laughs> convinced me to buy matching Buffy t-shirts yes <laughs> and, and that's when I was like I guess we're just friends now um that's right and yeah we've been talking about it ever since but because Apparently not the whole coven has seen Buffy, so we're expanding it to the wider vampire community. Yeah,
1: apparently feeling pulled out. To
2: say,
3: allegedly,
0: allegedly. <laughs> I mean, literally, everyone was like, "I
3: either have seen like one episode, or I've never seen it all, or it's been a really long time." So we were like, "Okay, gotta gotta do something else."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah, I don't know what are what are y'all's fave vampires or vampire medias.
3: Oh, okay. So my vampire love started with Twilight. Um, I only started watching Buffy when I was in grad school. Uh, so that's a that's a newer one for me. So, but I freaking love this the Twilight series. Stephanie Myers is obviously problematic as fuck. I think she's like a super religious person and has a lot of problematic shit going on, but the and and I got to be clear. The books are not good. I wouldn't recommend the books at all ever. But I will say, I watched Twilight on the regular, especially with my best friend Alicia, of the Roasted series. Um, Alice Cullen was one of my first gay crushes, and I, you know, stand by that choice for myself. <laughs> and um, in grad school, Buffy became like a full-on lifeline for me. And we're definitely going to be talking about Buffy more, but I specifically um, loved – First of all, obviously the character of Willow, which I think most people know my handle on Twitter forever since grad school, which has now been like four or five years, was is Socialist Willow. And so I freaking love Willow, but she's a witch, not a vampire. But my favorite vampire character in Buffy is the character of Spike, who, in my opinion, is NB and... Was a vampire character that I just freaking loved. Um, cannot care less about Angel, to be quite honest. Other favorite things about vampires. They're connected to bats, and bats are the best.
0: Oh, I do love bats.
3: Yeah. Bats are just as important as the bees. <laughs> they are a nighttime pollinator seriously any of you fools who are like save the bees but then you're not also out there being like save the bats well that's messed up maybe you should rethink your diurnal tendencies
0: hey okay, how have you have you guys ever seen vampire bats though cuz they're
3: creepy ooh i haven't seen them like in real life I i've have. seen pictures
0: oh so they're in i think i recommended it on our on the season of witch discord plug but the like um What is it? It's like planet Earth, but they did like a nighttime. Oh yes, 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 yes.
2: And I did watch vampire bats
0: in it and they like crawl around so creepy. I do love bats, but vampire bats like freak me out so much. (laughs) Yeah. Correct. (laughs) I draw the line at vampire bats. Vampire's (laughs) cool. Bats cool. Vampire bats creepy. Too much. (laughs) (laughs) Too far.
3: (laughs) And then obviously the other thing that I love about vampires is that they're gothic as fuck.
0: Yay.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to second Alice Cullen from Twilight being a major crush of mine in middle school, um, and definitely also a part of my queer awakening. Um, so solidarity on that. Um, in terms of other vampire stuff in high school, I got really into True Blood, which is like a pretty campy show that I it's sort of like, I think it came out during the Bush era. And it sort of uses like vampires as a metaphor for like LGBTQ rights. It's like, there's the christian right which is super anti-vampire um it's not a perfect metaphor because like the vampires do actually kill people as opposed to like queer people who are not actually dangerous to straight people but anyway um i just always have thought that that's like a really interesting use of vampires as like i guess just sort of this like thing or part of society that might threaten and ultimately destroy capitalist patriarchy um There's also this show that I really think, even though I have not watched very much Buffy, I think Buffy fans would really like, which is called Being Human. Um, It's about a vampire, a ghost, and a werewolf who are roommates. Um... And, of course, I have to mention Marceline, the vampire queen from Adventure Time. Oh my yes. god, yes. Oh, I relate to her just, on a Yeah, I love level. her so much. <laughs> um, I guess, like, overall, vampires are interesting to me, partly because they live forever. I think, like, being immortal is really interesting. And I think mm-hmm. that that idea just, like, lends itself to a lot of interesting explorations of, like, I guess one how depressing it would be to live forever but also like how it could be interesting to just live for a super long time and see all of these changes in history um I feel like vampires totally have to be historical materialists because they've just been around for so long and like seen all of this history play out and I feel like they just really get like human history in a way that a lot of humans don't because they haven't gotten to witness all of it um I also find vampires interesting because as they're like one of the monsters that really uniquely needs to like hurt other humans to survive, but they also are very human. Um, Right. And so I feel like they always like good vampires, well-intentioned vampires have to spend a lot of time exploring how they can get around that and survive without hurting other people. And I think figuring out how we can all survive without hurting anyone else is a key part of socialist feminism. Um, So I like that that's often, something that vampire media explores as well Mm.
0: wow amazing i love
2: this question this was so fun to think about my (laughs) introduction to vampires um so when i was younger i was very into interview with the vampire um and it was so like brooding and romantic and dark feeling and then since everyone was talking about this too i think on upon reflection that this was part of my sexual awakening and that i fell for a guy who was bad news and had questionable
3: morals but was also very hot
0: Vampires are hot canonically yes. hot yeah
3: yeah, that's <laughs> like- except in the 1931 dracula which i did watch today
1: no he is he is not
3: he is not
1: oh my god i have to look up the picture of this now yes. who is it who's the actor i mean i'll him? send a pic I don't know. It's nineteen thirty. I do know
0: and I cannot currently place the name because I, I can't. But I've known the information at a point in time. Um, um this, he's Bella, like famous.
2: Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Bella
0: Lugosi. Yeah, that's who it is. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: How did you say it, Laura? Bella Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound more like it's something you order at a restaurant. Um yes. but I'm here for it. <laughs> um so- hot. Exactly. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but i do have to say i never got into buffy uh i tried to watch an episode because my very good friend who loves gilmore girls as much as i do was like you have to watch buffy next you're gonna love it and i watched like an episode and a half and was like i don't i don't get this i think i missed my window to really love it maybe mm. but i don't Number know five- why are you
0: Huh? fan fact the writer of Gilmore Girls would like watch Buffy while she was writing Gilmore Girls
2: yeah so there is definitely a connection there <laughs> just
0: just fan fact I saw I her speak it. once and she told me
2: <laughs> yeah I mean there are a lot of like parallels between the two I think both featured those little when when girls would teenage girls would like part their hair in the middle and then put two <laughs> clips one on either side really close together I think oh, both they, shows featured that
0: they were the same like era of fashion yeah, that's true.
2: Um, but yeah, anyways, I also never got into Twilight because I just remember hearing that yeah. there were religious undertones and I was like, oh, gross. Ugh. This is weird. No, thank you.
3: Yeah, no. I mean, that's, again, the appropriate choice. I really can't advocate <laughs> for it. I just do love <laughs> to like watch it for the humor of it at this point
1: yeah just to be clear i also don't support it um (laughs) i'm embarrassed for myself that (laughs) i had a crush on alice cullen but
3: no she's she's truly good she's canonically good
1: okay (laughs) so
2: for those of you keeping track at home i should feel bad about not liking buffy but i should not feel bad about not liking (laughs) twilight correct
0: (laughs) well i just want to
2: know the right amount of shame to feel (laughs) (laughs) roasted (laughs) oh my god
3: we shouldn't judge you can have your own taste well what i will say is when i first tried to watch buffy it took me a few episodes to get really into it and then i rewatched it and i loved it a lot more but that's because you get into like the campness of it there is something to it that's like tongue-in-cheek um so it definitely is not for everyone
2: you know what would be really great is a show about vampires where one of the vampires is trying to pressure the other one to watch buffy it would be really fun
3: <laughs> yes i'm so into it let's really directors uh netflix get at us hope has the perfect idea it's gonna be season of the bitch the movie yes. Part of our yes
0: yes i'm ready
2: the vampire is like no just come on give it three more episodes you have eternity what do you have to lose?
3: <laughs> exactly. Endless content for endless time. Yeah
0: yeah so I have developed unhealthy relationships to pretty much all vampire content. Um, <laughs> so I had seen some Buffy when I was younger and in like high school and then I like when it came on to it was on it's on hulu now i don't know if it was on whatever whenever it was like available on online yeah. okay that's what i thought I, I was watching it and i got really into it and it was just like a time in my life where i like needed this narrative of like a strong young female protagonist who's like slaying her demons and i was like i was like 19 at this point and i was like i am the next vampire slayer and i was like too invested um we
3: love it. In to a, a fun,
0: it. quirky way. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to get into how much of a fucking nerd I was about it. Um, I do, however, have Buffy hair clips, Buffy pins, Buffy art. A necklace. A secret, oh, I have a little mini vampire slayer necklace. Yes. <laughs> um, and prior to that, when I was uh, in, like, junior high, I was super into Twilight. I read... Two of the books. I agree with Laura. They're, like, not good. But I have distinct memory of, like, reading them when I was visiting my grandma in Florida. Um, And then, though, my whole family was really into the movies. Like, even my dad like loved Twilight movies yes um and my sister and I went to Forks together yes um we like ate Which at is the diner. where it is
3: lo- where Ice. it's set <laughs> yeah yes, for anyone who doesn't ben know
0: <laughs> in Washington it's super beautiful we like walked on the beach where they filmed and we like ate in the like diner in town and stuff we were we were we were already in the area for other reasons for like a family thing but we sure, were sure, like well sure, sure, while sure. while we're nearby we're like going to Forks
3: we weren't that we were
0: like two hours away like at in Washington anyway we did we did it we did
3: amazing
0: (laughs) um so and then recently I've been watching a lot of these like super cheesy made for tv like vampire teen movies which I wouldn't necessarily recommend unless you also (laughs) love garbage but I recently watched this one called Liar, Liar, Vampire, and it's um a spoof of Twilight. So it's based in like Forksley. That's like the name oh, of the town. Oh my god. And they do a couple know. scenes where they're basically doing like just like complete recreations of like Twilight scenes. Um so Wait, it's just what like really funny. Like, it's on Netflix. Oh my god, yes. Um, and the premise <laughs> is like the main character is like lying and pretending to be a vampire to like be cool and like get with the popular girl um and i won't give anything else away that's just the basic premise but it's fun so yeah that's my um vampire fandom embarrassing we love so (laughs) anyway but i thought we could talk more about the connections between capitalism and vampires so in zombie capitalism which is a book written by chris Harmon, he writes the runaway world is the economic system as Marx described it. The Frankenstein's monster that has escaped from human control, the vampire that saps the lifeblood of the living bodies it feeds off. If you can hear this bang in the background, it's a vampire, also known as my cat. <laughs> <laughs> it is the demon known as my kitten. <laughs> but so, yeah, I feel like the connection, um, at least as, as Marx describes it, is um, and as described in this book, is like pretty clear to see. You don't need to like beat the horse on the head. Um, but I wanted to ask, like, how you guys think this plays out in vampire media? Like through this vein of thought, therefore, is Buffy like a capitalist slaying icon, and then Bella would be like a more women CEOs because she's like, make me one of you. So <laughs> is Bella like a girl boss. Like, what do we? What do we think? Oh, I first of all, I love this question. <laughs> so much
3: thank you it's so good um this was really tough um of course the connections between blood sucking and the capitalist system have the obvious uh ties
0: we're but, asking the hard-hitting questions yeah of course <laughs> is bella a girl boss i think the
3: the if i had to answer quickly i would say yes um which i hate for my wife Kristen stewart but you know cess Levi. Um, so the working class is sucked dry by the capitalist class and the state, which is just, you know, a wing of the capitalist class, especially in the United States, but elsewhere also. And I don't really see it playing out in media in these particular ways, though, and that might be because of, like, how they're written. Um, so for people who aren't aware... In Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there are the quote-unquote good guys, a.k.a. Buffy, who is the chosen one slash slayer chosen to fight all evil that threatens humans. When she becomes the slayer after the previous slayer died, she gains superhuman strength. The thing about Buffy that is cool is that she's kind of like a California ditzy vibe. It gives the air of Kathleen Hanna speaking intentionally with a valley girl accent, but talking about radical politics. But she's also kind of annoying in her own ways. Definitely got some, like, uh, tendencies that would be a little annoying. Next up on the good team is Willow, a.k.a. my soulmate in Love Forever, who I want to emulate in my life. <laughs> in the first couple of seasons, she's a more timid, nerdy BFF sidekick to Buffy, who is almost always in charge of the research that the team needs done. But then she goes off to college, becomes a powerful witch, dates a badass lesbian named Tara, and kicks her werewolf boyfriend to the curb. Okay, okay, but, like, we do love Oz, and TBH, he's one of the only good men in the show, so bravo, Willow, again, for having impeccable taste. Then we have have Xander for... Like, who for Uh. all intents and purposes is just a fucking dude. He is good in that he helps fight the evils, but he is also just kind of slimy and weird.
0: When I was reading your synopsis, I wanted to see what you said about Xander specifically, and I was cracking up at you being like, he's literally just a fucking dude. (laughs) Um, Which is the exact definition of Xander. He's just like this typical white dude who hangs out with a bunch of like really hot girls and feels entitled to dating all of them, even though he deserves... Not one of them. Exactly. And he's like so whiny about it uh, too.
3: Yeah. And he's like he's like, oh, Willow's a witch and Buffy's a slayer and I'm just a regular guy. It's like, oh my God, get over. It's it like, yourself.
0: yeah, Xander, you're a fucking loser. <laughs>
1: Oh, poor Xander. How he ends up with this show now. You guys are making it sound really interesting.
0: He gets a really hot girlfriend like Xander's fine. Yeah. Xander gets multiple hot girlfriends.
1: Yeah. Multiple really hot girlfriends. That's fine then. I won't feel bad for him. Yeah. No.
3: Then we have Giles, who is the goddamn best watcher, aka protector of the Slayer there ever was. Um, He's made fun of for his British ways, but he is so deeply lovable. Anyway, the point being that these people, besides Willow probably, are kind of normie. They don't really attempt to battle the status quo at any points. It's more about just fighting the evil that's coming out of the hell mouth.
0: Also, I just want to give a side shout out to Anya, who is not a main character, but she is a leftist icon. And her backstory, this kind of goes back to what, Julia, you were saying about like vampires witnessing human history and her backstory is that she incited the french revolution which yes. is like incredible that's so bad. <laughs> Yes, I and she's that. afraid of
3: bunnies which is like just a fun fact <laughs> about Anya. yeah
0: she's really fun
3: um i will also say that in buffy and twilight there are quote-unquote good vampires so with the comparison marx is making that would be like good capitalists which we know don't exist
0: yeah i kind of the more i After I posed the question and then thought about it more, I feel like it's a square rectangle situation where, like, all capitalists are vampires, but not all vampires are capitalists.
3: Yes. Perfectly said. (laughs) That's what I've come to.
1: yeah I guess I can't really speak to the Buffy angle specifically although I am gonna have to check it out now but I guess I just wanted to bring in another side to things another way of looking at vampires um because for me like I've always been drawn to horror movies and like stories about how quote-unquote monsters are really just like misunderstood and marginalized. Um, So I really like stuff where like the vampires are sort of good or at least morally ambiguous. Um, I feel like in a lot of versions of vampire myths, they have this like far-right kind of fascist character where they kill people and don't feel bad about it because it's kind of like a survival of the fittest. Like they see themselves as being biologically superior to humans. Therefore, it's okay for them to take whatever they want by force, which is very fascist. Um, But in other mythologies, I feel like vampires can take on the role more of like marginalized people who don't particularly want to hurt anyone, but society is failing to meet their specific needs, which may be to have blood. Um, And so sometimes they're forced to hurt people out of necessity to survive, um I'm thinking of movies like Girl Walks Home Alone at Night or oh, Let the I Right One In. Movie. Yeah, it's so so good. I actually really I want to rewatch it. Like this episode is making me want to rewatch it. Um yeah, but- I forgot about that when I was trying
0: to like list vampire content, but that's a very good movie.
1: Yeah, like I I feel like that and some other ones like sort of use vampirism as like a way to disrupt the class violence and gendered violence that the vampire characters in those movies experience um, or explore sort of like almost a revenge fantasy for like often like young women people of color who normally don't have a ton of agency in certain situations but then if they're a vampire it's sort of like the tables are turned and they're actually super powerful um so yeah I sort of view it as like it can be a fantasy of what would happen if marginalized people were like actually really powerful and could just destroy like capitalists and sexists when they needed to which would be awesome hell yeah
2: love that take Oh, is this me? <laughs> yeah, sorry, go for it. I so. Yeah, I think you're blue, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, no, no, sorry. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> um- <laughs> So to me, uh, there's this great question about vampires too. How do they decide who to kill and just like eat Ooh. their innards and maim and who to turn into other vampires? Yes. That is a great and I, question. I really love taking metaphors too far. So perfect. Can we extrapolate that to capitalism? Obviously, we too? all do. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> um, can we extrapolate to capitalism too that more must be created to survive and sustain itself? Mm. And so, like, and what if you wanted to be a vampire and they're like, no, you're too annoying, we're gonna eat you like what if you actually wanted to become a vampire uh, mm. it seems sort of elite in a way um and then I started thinking about is this like kind of a transfer of wealth by a family lineage you know is there like a metaphor there where they're able to keep this thing going um and then that led me to is the estate tax basically the same thing as a wooden stake
1: oh
0: my god this is like deep <laughs> so
2: here
1: for this this is some scorpio i I love it i love that i also do really feel like that's how it shows up in twilight specifically like i think they explicitly say at some point like oh you know when you live forever it's really easy to just like accumulate wealth and like oh and also because they don't eat i guess so that's the explanation for how they're like super rich right without having to work necessarily yeah, they probably like bought a
2: house in Brooklyn in like eighteen hundred and just like, chilled in it. Now right, they're rich. exactly now they're a Koch brother. <laughs> exactly.
3: Exactly. The Koch brothers are vampires. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, I thought we could just hop right into specifically talking about Twilight, which apparently was only for me and I guess
1: maybe <laughs> Julia. No, I, let's talk about it. I'm okay. so ready. So okay. I wanted
3: to talk about our number one favorite Twilight scenes and why. And for me, I got to say my all-time classic is the first Twilight film a film feature uh where Art we Our house cinema. Exactly. <laughs> where we see Bella Swan, aka K Sue, aka my wife, walk into the biology room and she steps in front of a fan and and her hair starts kind of like blowing in the wind. And Edward Cullen, played by Himbo and Taurus Robert Pattinson, <laughs> <laughs> has to pretend he is so affected by the smell of Bella. It's honestly one of the most hilarious scenes of my life and I love it and cherish it.
1: I totally forgot about this scene until you mentioned it but it's amazing um (laughs) I was gonna say the baseball scene is one of my favorites it's just so ridiculous where it's like all the vampires playing baseball um and they're obviously super fast and it's just like crazy and really funny
3: absolutely I will say, like, in the soft parts of my heart, the my favorite things are any scenes that have Charlie, Bella Swan's dad in them, because he's just such a sweet character, and I love him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the
0: only one I've rewatched recently is um, the first movie, but honestly, okay – I don't know if it's my favorite scene, but something I really like about the film is actually the B-roll. Like, it's so pretty. And that's, like, why my dad really liked the movies because, like, it's just, like, really beautiful. Like, there's, like, this shot in the beginning with a deer and, like, that's the scene that, like, sticks out most in my mind. It's just, like, a very cute deer in the woods. Um, And also, obviously, the iconic scene where he's, like, say it
1: out loud. What am I? Yes. <laughs> Oh my God. Honestly, the whole movie, this is just really making me want to rewatch it. There's so many great moments. There really are. Should we move on to original vampires? Yes,
3: let's do it.
0: Okay. I mean, we've Vamps. got 20 more
2: minutes. We can talk about Buffy for it or Twilight.
3: But first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There we
0: go. Yes. (laughs) Okay, finally. So that's (laughs) from the original
3: score of the 1931 feature film Dracula.
0: Thank you so much. Um,
3: So, um, you know, as we've been talking about, vampire fiction as class allegory predates Dracula. Um, The means by which vampires feed not only has like the sexual and Freudian subtext. There's always like the, the neck bite vibe that has all of that. Um, but it is also a powerful representation of a classically exploitative relationship, one body drawing strength while the other weakens. Um, and Marxist writers, as Zoe spoke about earlier, um, you know, took this imagery into their work. Crucily, Crucially, the vampire is also aristocratic, unlike, for example, the proletariat Frankenstein monster. Um, and proletariat is just the organized and unpolitical lower orders of society who are not interested in revolutionary advancement.
1: Yeah, I wanted to say also, like, Dracula specifically was not written by a woman, but it was written during it's... the same time as a lot of other Gothic novels, which were written by women. And I right. think gothic literature in general um which often includes vampires or other sort of like semi-fantasy dark elements like that is super great because it was basically a way that like women writers could write about all these scary things that could happen if you were like a middle to upper class woman like being sort of dragged away to a distant place with your husband who could just like take you away from your family and do whatever Mm -hmm. he wanted with you but making it like a vampire made it safe to write about so they could be like no no I'm not talking about my husband I'm talking about a vampire obviously yeah no like that's just a total coincidence that it seems like a similar situation you guys so it was sort of a way that like women could pass this knowledge to each other and like talk about mostly in like more elite circles but you know in that class of women like talk about things that were going on through this lens of like we're actually just talking about fantasy don't worry about it men
3: Exactly. Exactly. Um, so in in the same era, uh, there was another book or it was a novella called Carmilla. Carmilla is gay, which is great. We love to see it um, and has an exploitative and romantic relationship with the heroine of the novel, Laura, who is also upper class. For night to night sustenance, she feeds on local peasant girls, victims who at once who she at one point dismisses as worthless and expendable. Um, and yeah, we just love to see some gay vampires in the canon. And so I wanted to read a gay excerpt from Carmilla. Um, it's, it says, Sometimes after an hour of apathy, my strange and beautiful companion would take my hand and hold it with such a fond p- pressure, renewed again and again, Blushing softly, gazing in my face with languid and burning eyes, and breathing so fast that her dress rose and fell with a tumultuous respiration. It was like the ardor of a lover. It embarrassed me. It was hateful and yet overpowering. And with gloating eyes she drew me to her, and her hot lips traveled along my cheek in kisses. And she would whisper, almost in sobs, "'You are mine. You shall be mine.' You and I are one forever. Then she had thrown herself back in the chair with her small hands over her eyes, leaving me trembling. (sighs) (laughs) So gay. So So gay.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Um,
3: And then, of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention the web series called Carmilla starring Elise Bauman and Natasha Negovanlis. Negovanlis? Negovanlis? And it's loosely based on the aforementioned novella. Um, There's also a feature length film called The Carmilla Movie, which came out in 2017 and is essentially a continuation of the web series. Uh, In preparation for this episode, I rewatched it today and I must say it is some of the best queer content I've ever seen. Everyone is gay, even the ghosts. There's non-binary characters, vampires, vampires who become human, vampires who become human but give up their human lives for the ghosts to be at peace. you truly love to see it. Everyone is queer and generally femme. There's a ton of different queer relationships and dynamics throughout the movie, including domestic struggles, desires, and conflicts with your booze ex, who may or may not be happened to be some sort of demon of the nightmare underworld. I personally would like to offer it up as a great spoopy gay film for the season and also there may or may not be a queer sex scene involving lots of Victorian era clothing
0: and it is so steamy and good. (laughs) It is so (laughs) steamy. I also watched it today upon Laura's recommendation and sharing of the link um and also just shout out in the end credits there's a song by Muna, which is like one of my favorite queer bands so i was like the movie was already great and then it hit the credits and it was like one of my favorite songs and i was so happy yes it's true and it's like a song like written about um like coming out as a queer woman so Mm -hmm. amazing
2: yes everyone's gay even the ghost would be a really good book title (laughs)
0: i
3: know but i really
1: that, love that i love
3: that so much <laughs> i really i need to let you all know i was very into writing these weird synopses of these things <laughs> earlier today so i'm glad you that you are a future as a queer horror <laughs> reviewer <laughs> <laughs> um so in addition when we were pre- prepping for this episode hope had said that she was watching loved lovecraft country and so also today on my deep dive into this topic i was like i'm gonna watch three episodes Um, and so from what i can tell so far this isn't really about vampires explicitly although there are some monsters in the story who are unable to stand light similar to vamps but this is like a fantasy horror genre that pulls to light the extremely racist writings of lovecraft and soups it up in like 2020 mode um I guess what I mean by that is like it it's, it at least seems to have awareness of the racial dynamics and is pointing to it specifically, like spotlighting it. Um, but I wanted to know, Hope, what your thoughts were on it, because I know you've been watching it.
2: Oh, my gosh. So funny. You should ask. Um, I am really enjoying the show so far, and I may have mentioned it in our group chat at Timer 50 Um, You might say, it's my Buffy. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We just need to bring on another host who loves it as much as me so we can get matching (laughs) t-shirts. I need this in my life.
3: I'm ready. Uh, Honestly, I love it so much so far. (laughs) Like, I'm very invested in it. I'm going to keep watching it.
0: I have, I have watched so- it Oh, but oh, I trust sorry. you and I just like friendship so I would still get matching t-shirts yes. <laughs> I was gonna
1: say I also haven't watched it yet but I'm planning to because like I love all the people that are involved with making it so Ooh. like signs point to me liking it it yes. can still happen we can also just get the t-shirts
2: yeah, I'm getting everyone the t-shirts I just ordered yes. them um, oh my god <laughs> They're going to be there tomorrow. Um, But anyways, uh, I'm really excited about this show. I love it. I think it has a lot to say. Um, But so the monsters are taken, as Laura said, mostly from the writings of H.P. Lovecraft, who is like a racist and liked eugenics and was just a creep all around. Mm. Um, So in the first episode, there are these monsters called the Shogoth, and they're creatures that eat blood and flesh, um, and they can turn other people that they bite into Shogoths, also kind of like werewolves or vampires, um, but she's right that the light kills them. Um, and then there are like these creepy people who are in charge of the show ghosts. And uh, the whole show takes place in the fifties. Um, broadly. I love in the show that the racists are scarier than the gross, terrifying yes. monsters. Yes. Um, And you realize like they can defeat these creepy vampire like monsters, but the racists are just everywhere. Yes. Um and particularly in the episode about sundown towns, they show um, that, you know, how scary it is at nighttime, how dangerous it is for black people. And you feel the combined horror of the real danger, but then also just the white people who are out to get them.
3: Mm. Yeah, I totally agree that that has been the thing that has been so powerful about it. And also, the I would say that the first two episodes were the hardest for me to watch because, you um, there's a sense of powerlessness, um, yeah, and particularly because you know how big and how scary it is for anyone living in Jim Crow era. Anyone living in the world in the United States today who is black, right? We see people getting killed in the streets now, and but then it was like even much more widely accepted by anyone, and it it is. It's really hard to n- see them not be able to fight back and then like, you know, of course, more unravels and that doesn't that doesn't end up being their tale. So it's I'm excited to continue to watch it. <laughs> I can't watch it too close to when I go to sleep because it gives me
2: crazy dreams. Oh, I <laughs> oh, bet. I had this nightmare the other night. I We watched the show like close to 10 p.m. and I fell asleep, woke up in the morning, like in a cold sweat. And Brandon was like, what's wrong? And I told him, like, I had this dream. We we bought a mansion and it was an old mansion. And in the kitchen and all the cabinets, there were just like big piles of hair, of human hair.
0: Oh.
2: Um, and I was trying to figure out what to do with it. And I was like, maybe I should bury it to like honor the dead or I should make something from it. And I was like really stressed out about this burden of all of this, like dead people's hair in my house. And Brandon was just like, was I there? Did I tell you to just throw it away? <laughs> Move on yeah. with your life? <laughs> Um, uh, I was like, no, it's terrifying, but it's a great show. That shouldn't dissuade yes. in from watching it. Yes, I and agree. I think next next up we're gonna talk about Marx, <laughs> Daddy Marx, and gothic imagery.
3: Yes, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, so part of this Zoe already covered, but just to hammer it home, in Das Kapital, Marx writes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the
3: good
2: I either say
0: capital or if I have to say it I say das Kapital exactly Right. And I
1: just feel like that. that's a spookier name like we should call it that for spooky season exactly I don't know why it's German true. is like spooky to me but it is it capital.
2: Yeah. capital capital capital, capital. das
1: Kapital
3: oh das capital. cute <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so cute So in Das Kapital, Marx writes, capital is dead labor. That vampire-like only lives by sucking living labor and lives the more, the more labor it sucks. He referred to the werewolf's hunger for surplus labor and to the fact that the prolongation of the working day quenches only in a slight degree the vampire's thirst for the living blood of labor. Also in Capital, when the vampire image returns, the narrative focus shifts from the bourgeois predator to the exploited worker and specifically to the worker's obliterated body. Um, He writes, it must be acknowledged that our laborer comes out of the process of production other than he entered. In the market, he stood as owner of the commodity labor power face to face with other owners of commodities, dealer against dealer the contract by which he sold his capitalist i'm sorry the contract by which he sold to the capitalist his labor power proved so to say in black and white that he disposed of himself freely the bargain concluded it is discovered that he was no free agent that the time for which he w- is free to sell his labor power is the time for which he is forced to sell it that in fact the vampire will not lose its hold on him so much as there is a muscle, a nerve, a drop of blood to be exploited. Mark Stephen writes, Gothic descriptions like these are not merely decorative. Instead, they get to the very essence of life under capitalism. They remind us how bodies and brains are mutilated into commodities. Literally, we need only think of deformations, injuries, and fatalities caused by by strained working conditions at every level of capitalist industry from neurological trauma through, through to heart attacks, right down to broken bones, amputated limbs, and mass deaths. Figuratively, every minute and every hour spent in wage labor is another minute and another hour in which our bodies are wired to a vast machine that only lives by draining our life substances. Life under capitalism is the experience of horror the irreversible liquefying of human substance and its necrographic consumption. Like the grim fate of of the victims, and in any given horror film, whose bodies are obliterated beyond all recognition and so frequently ingested by other humans, once our labor succumbs to value, that transformation is utterly irreparable. So reflects poet Keston Sutherland in a brilliantly nauseated essay on Marx's jargon. All that is meat melts into bone and vice versa. And no effort of scrutiny, will or heated imagination, however powerfully analytic or moral, is capable of reversing the industrial process of that deliquescence, deliquescence? I don't know. Seems right. (laughs) He finishes by saying, the lesson can be put this way. We all inhabit the same horror story and we... And we should all be intensely revolted by this. But even if we cannot undo what has already been done, that revulsion might still be a catalyst for revolution. Perhaps this is what Marx was trying to teach us all along with his unique brand of Gothic horror. Ugh
1: oh, yes. Amazing. I I love that. Especially the this part about like meat melting into bone. That's just very um horrifying but i feel like really captures like something essential about capitalism to me that was great definitely
0: well i feel like that's the perfect place to stop both because we're out of time and because next week's episode we're going to be talking about gothic marxism so this is like a perfect to be continued moment
1: yes Mm -hmm. amazing like any classic horror media we are leaving on a cliffhanger Join us next time. <laughs> any any concluding thoughts on vampires
0: you know i'd vamp out
2: <laughs> you
1: would want to be yeah would, oh. would you become a vampire that's oh, a great shit. question wow I you would. know i i would want to i, I would think i I really like the idea of being able to, like, see what's happening in the world in a really long time, and I think that that would be kind of fun.
3: Yeah. Um, I would still want to be dusted at some point. Like, I truly don't want to live forever, but I think I want to live longer than humans usually do.
0: Also, like, I wouldn't want to be a lonely vampire. If I could be a vampire with y'all, I would do it.
1: But That would be amazing. A vampire coven. I mean, exactly. Vampire seraphim. Like, I need a vamp cup you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> I then i would do it all vampires really do those that don't have it are there they're probably kind of sad and lonely true
0: now i feel like we missed an opportunity to talk about like vampires and like queer chosen families
1: Ooh, <laughs> no. true. there's still time we have <laughs> we have more of spooky season left that's <laughs> true. true
0: hope what about
2: you i would not want to be a vampire mm. wow
1: I would Hopefully, just be like, that's fair, that's fair, that's
2: <laughs> fair. Yeah, I would be like, you could just eat me. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> a truly rational no, yeah, human no, that's,
1: response. That's really relatable. I, I understand <laughs> that as well. I don't have the energy to be a
3: vampire forever right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Oh, yeah. I want to be in the same city as you so I could just babysit for you all the time. For free. I want that also. Yeah. Because we needs more witch friends. Yes. I'm
2: on my way to yeah. the area. <laughs> Please get on your broom and get here ASAP. Yes. Okay.
3: Be right there. Amazing.
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think I would. It, it also seems lonely to me. And like, even if your coven was there, you just watch everyone else, you know, die and everything familiar to you die. To me, it's kind of like living to be the oldest person in your family when you're like 105 and everyone else is just dead. Yeah. You have like, I don't know. That's a good point. Doesn't seem fun to me. Fair. but the goth part of it is cute
3: <laughs> so there's that just just buy yourself a victorian dress off of etsy it's fine <laughs>
1: <laughs> that seems easier exactly yeah. than turning into just a vampire. slightly you know yeah totally. all right that was our show uh thank you for joining us for the beginning of spooky season we'll be back with much more of this type of content um, if you like what you heard, go to patreon.com slash season of the bitch. Give us money, please. We need it. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at season of the You can email us at season of at gmail.com. Visit our website, season and rate review, subscribe on iTunes um, or wherever you're listening to us and tell your friends that you like us because that would be great we love Um, we love to be loved by you and your friends yes we we, do and we would love if you if you do sign up for our patreon we have a discord uh which is just a wonderful space on the internet especially in these dark dark times um and we would love to have you join us there absolutely amazing that's it love you all Love love you bye
2: bitch